You are listening to Jonah, a sermon series about the biblical account of Jonah. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. We are in our series, the, in the book of Jonah. We're continuing our series in the book of Jonah. And really, if I had to give today's message a title, it would be Chewed Up and Spit Out. Chewed Up and Spit Out. See, I got, I got, I got two girls. I've got an 11-year-old, almost an 11-year-old, and then I've got a 6-year-old, Brianna Grace and Sadie Kate. And uh, if you don't know, we actually have another child on the way. Uh, we're about four months along, so y'all pray for me. Uh, and so, uh, but, but, you know, we're excited. We find out in a couple of weeks what we're going to be having. Um, but usually when you see someone with a baby, you get all excited. And if you ever watch somebody really talk to a baby, they interact with a baby really, really odd. You know, they, they smile real big and they move their head real, real big. And they're like, who's a baby? You're a baby. You know, you don't talk to just a normal person like that. You know, if you did, uh, they'd think you were psycho, right? Like after church today, if you went to El Sombrero and you saw somebody and you were like, who's a hungry baby? You're a hungry baby. They're going to say, dude, who, what are you? They're going to call the cops. They're going to think you got some issues. Okay. But anyway, I know that when this third child gets to my house, you know, uh, Amanda, my life, well, first off, my life is going to change, change tremendously. Amanda and I are really going to have to get used to, to doing some things that we haven't done in a very long time, like learning how to operate on zero hours of, of sleep. That's one of the things that we're going to have to get used to. Another thing we're going to have to get used to is uh, screaming and crying. You know what I mean? All night. And that's really just going to be me. I'm going to be the one screaming and crying. Y'all pray for me, okay? Uh, so we've got to get used to that again. We've got to get used to, to teething, to drooling, you know what I mean? And dirty diapers. We've got to get used to all that. See, babies seem much cuter when you don't have to deal with all that, right? Right? Uh, like when you can give them to somebody else to take care of all that. Like my kids, I can't wait for them to have children when they get married, you know, because I'm going to like spoil my grandkids and get them all riled up. And then I'm going to give them back to their moms, you know what I mean, so that they have to deal with it. Because here's the deal I'm holding some grudges against my daughters about some of the stuff that they did when they were coming up. And so uh, I'm going to, I plan on using their kids to get them back. Don't judge me, okay? That's what I'm going to do. But, but, but anyway, we're also going to have to deal with, with buying all that baby food all that baby food. And man, that stuff is nasty, okay? Uh, I don't know anybody who's like, that's what they pick up at the store for them to eat, at, like at lunch. If you do, you're weird, okay? Uh, but I remember one time when Sadie Kate was little, Amanda had told me to go home, and when I got home to make sure that I fed Sadie Kate, and I said, okay. And so uh, she said, I've already got the food on the counter for you. Just make sure that you give that to Sadie Kate. And so when we get home, I set her in her high chair, and I look at this can of food that I'm about to open up for her, a bottle of food, whatever you want to call it, and, I, and it's, it's, it's carrots, peas, gravy, and chicken, okay? And so I was like, well, this is what Amanda wants me to feed her, so this is what I'm going to feed her. So I open it up, man, and that's the Dunk, man, it was nasty, at least to me. I was going, man, I can't believe anybody would eat this as I'm feeding say, this to Sadie Kate, you know. And so I'm, I'm feeding it to Sadie Kate, and, and the first few bites, they really started out okay. They started out okay. But then I got a spoonful of the canned chicken, I guess, that was, that was in, the, in, the, in that bowl, bucket bowl, whatever bottle, you know. And so I'm putting it in her mouth, and when I put it in her mouth, you could see it on her face. She was going like, what? what is this you just put in my mouth? You know what I mean? And so she's using her tongue to get everything. She's trying to spit it out. You know what I mean? And so there's peas everywhere, gravy everywhere, carrots everywhere. And, you know, she's just making these crazy faces. And the whole time I'm using that spoon to like scrape it back off her face and put it back in her mouth. You don't, anybody, any parents, you know what I'm talking about? You do that. You do that. 
And so, man, so man, I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm doing all this, and she's still spitting it out. And I, and I laughed. I was laughing at her, you know? And I don't know what happened, but she did this crazy cough, like sneeze thing. And when she did, that food just went like all over my face, all over my arm. And a piece of that chicken, man, it landed on my hand, you know? And it's all warm, and it's all slimy. And Sadie Kate looks at me, and she smiles real big, and she didn't have no teeth, you know? So she's still smiling at me. And she smiles at me, and she grabs that chicken off my hand, puts it in her mouth, and eats it again. I was like, ugh, I about threw up. You know what I mean? She literally chewed it up, spit it out, and then chewed it up again. You know what I mean? You say, Pastor, what's the point of that story? I don't really know, okay? But I do know that we're at the point in our story where Jonah gets chewed up. And by the end of chapter 2, you're going to see that Jonah gets spit out, spit out. And so if you read most of chapter one, people don't, don't have a problem uh, really believing the first part of Jonah chapter one. I mean, you know, when you, when you get to the last verse, though, when you get to verse 17, that's when people really start to have some issues with the story. People start to say, hold up, that's not possible. And the reason why is because this is what Jonah chapter one, verse 17 says. It says, now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. See, folks don't have a, a hard time believing that Jonah was a real person. People don't have a hard time believing that Jonah was a prophet. People don't have a hard time believing that Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he did not. People don't have a hard time believing that Nineveh is a real place. In fact, there are certain museums that you can go to and you can see pieces of the wall that surrounded Nineveh. People don't have a hard time believing any of that stuff. But we're at the point in the story where if we were really to be honest, we'd have to admit that this, this sounds a little, little ridiculous. Sounds, it sounds kind of unrealistic. It sounds impossible. I mean, come on, a guy is swallowed by a fish, and he's in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. People want to know what happened. You know what I mean? How is this, how is this possible? And, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, man, there are a lot of crazy beliefs out there, a lot of crazy ideas when it comes to this story. I remember several years ago, I was watching that show, Ancient Aliens. Anybody ever seen that show, Ancient Aliens? Nobody? Just me? Okay, yeah, a couple people. Yeah. Have you, you know that guy's got that crazy hair? You know what I mean? It's just a funny show. At least, I, you know, I think it is. But I'm watching this guy, and they're talking about this particular event. And he says, you know what? Jonah wasn't swallowed by a fish. Jonah wasn't swallowed by a well. They really believe that some sort of alien submarine abducted Jonah while he was in the water. You know what I mean? And that they just, the, the word fish was the best word they could use to describe what happened. I'm sitting here watching these guys, man, with their crazy hair and their fancy suits, with all their titles and all their degrees. And I'm thinking, there's no way those guys can walk in the woods because the squirrels will eat them. You know what I mean? They're nuts. They're nuts. They're just crazy. But people have all these crazy beliefs when it comes to this story. They have all sorts of other things that they would like to believe as opposed to Jonah being swallowed by a fish or by a well because they wonder if Jonah was really swallowed by a fish, how did he breathe? Where did he get his oxygen from? And some, the reason, you know, some people believe that it had to have been a whale because, uh, because whales actually retain some level of oxygen in their bodies. Uh, but some people are like, well, maybe, you know, if he was swallowed by a whale, how in the world would he have been able to go deep into the ocean? You know, what would that pressure have done to his body without him having the right kind of 
protection. So there are a lot of Christians who spend a whole lot of time really trying to prove that there is some sort of possible scenario for this entire situation to take place. But here's the deal. This was a miracle. Okay, this, this was a miracle. Did Jesus walk on water? Yes. Did Jesus turn water into wine? Yes. Did Jesus raise the dead from life to, to life? Yes. Did God create everything that you and I know out of nothing? Yes. And because I believe those things, I don't have any difficulty believing that God allowed a fish or a well to swallow Jonah. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and however he wants. If God wanted a seahorse to swallow Jonah, I don't have a problem believing that because he can do what he wants to do. I believe Jonah is an actual person. I believe the events that are recording in the book of Jonah are actual, literal events. Why? Because Jesus himself even referred to Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And when Jesus spoke about this event, he wasn't speaking about it as some sort of parable, some sort of hyperbole. He wasn't using it as a children's story. I believe that he was referring to this as a matter of fact. And Jesus is the one who was dead and is now alive forevermore. So I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe him. Thanks, Mom. Uh, anyway, so this was a miracle. And what this proves to me is that not only does God control the storm in chapter 1, not only does God control the wind and the waves, but what this also proves to me is that God controls the animals. This, again, is a miracle. So Jonah is swallowed by a fish, but why? Why? See, I want you to think about this. Remember in chapter 1, Verse 1, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh. But instead of going to Nineveh, what does Jonah do? Jonah runs in the opposite direction. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3 says, However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So, so Jonah went. Where? Tarshish, right? Everybody say Tarshish. That's a hard word to say, right? Tarshish, hard word to say. But that word Tarshish is used three times in that verse. Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. I don't think that's, that's any mistake because what's actually happening here is Jonah is throwing a fit. He doesn't get his way. And how many of you ever saw that, that show, The Brady Bunch? You know what I mean? Here's a story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Anybody remember that song? Some of y'all don't know who that is. What is the Brady Bunch, man? But anyway, in that show, there was one sister, Jan, and she was always jealous of who? Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know what I mean? That's what she would say three times. I don't think it's a coincidence that that word is used three times here. Again, what is happening is Jonah is throwing a fit. That's what he's doing. He's throwing a fit, and instead of doing what God wants him to do, he rebels against God. Then God sends this storm. Why does he send the storm? To get Jonah's attention. And the storm is so bad. It's so bad that the people, the other sailors, man, they are scared to death. And look at what Jonah says in verse 12 of Jonah chapter 1. The Bible says this. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea so it may quiet down for you, for I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that is against you. Do you see what Jonah's doing right there? Jonah would rather die than do what it is that God wants him to do. 
He would rather be thrown into the ocean and drown than do what it is that God wants him to do. And I can picture him in his cloak. I can picture him in his heavy robe. And I can picture him being thrown into the ocean. And as soon as all of his clothes are really saturated, I can, I can sense him getting, getting, I can sense it getting real difficult for him to stay afloat. I can sense him beginning to sink. And as he begins to sink, I can see him actually running out of air. And I can see panic begin to sit in. He thinks his life is over when all of the sudden something happens. He feels himself being sucked into something. At the time, he doesn't know that it's a fish because maybe the fish came up from behind him. He doesn't know what's happening. All of a sudden, he's transported into this very dark place. How do I know that it was dark? Well, I, I don't necessarily know because I've never been inside the belly of a fish, but I do know that fish don't have electricity. I do know that fish don't have lanterns. They don't have candles. So think about Jonah. Think about Jonah. He has no idea where he is. He has no idea where he is. He has no idea that he's inside a fish. It's dark. It probably even stinks. You know what I mean? He's confused. He's confused. I can't help but think that Jonah was probably even a little mad because here he was hoping to die. But instead of dying, what happens? What happens? Imagine yourself again in Jonah's shoes. I'm sure, I'm sure as he was inside of that fish that he said, well, I don't know where I am, but I can't imagine I'm going to be able to live in this environment very long. I, I think that I'm probably going to die very quick. He had to have thought that. But one day passes. And then two days pass. Don't you know that Jonah began to wonder, how long am I going to be in this situation? How long is this going to last? And so let me ask you this. Who sent this fish to swallow Jonah? God. Yeah, starts with the G, ends in an odd. God, that's who did it. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. God sent this fish to swallow Jonah. And God didn't send this fish to swallow Jonah because he was trying to punish him. That's not why God sent the fish. I want you to know that God sent this fish, God appointed this fish to swallow Jonah in an effort to save him. In an effort to save him. Now, did Jonah deserve to die? The answer is yes. Jonah is rebelling against God. Jonah is not doing what God wants him to do. Jonah is, is just, you know, he's running again from God. He's disobeying him. If we were writing this story, if we were writing this story, we would have sent some sort of crazy punishment to Jonah. We, like I said last week, we probably would have sent a shark after Jonah. But God, in his mercy, instead of letting Jonah drown, God sends a fish to swallow Jonah. God sends a situation that obviously wasn't very desirable, but he sends a fish as an act of mercy, as an act of mercy. He sends this fish to keep Jonah from, from drowning. Jonah didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve it. It was unexpected, but listen to me, that's how God operates. That's how God operates. See, we don't deserve the mercy of God. We don't, we don't deserve the grace of God. Be honest, man. We, we, we don't deserve what God gives us, but he gives it to us 
any way. Just how Jonah runs a lot of times. We run from doing what it is that God wants us to do, but he's still gracious to us and he's still merciful to us. Let me ask you a question. Did, did you deserve, did I deserve, did we deserve for Jesus to come and die in our place? The answer is no. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, he loved us so much that he was willing to come and die for us. We did not deserve it. It is unexpected. It is his grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is from God. It is God's gift. So you might think, you might think that you are deserving of God's grace and his mercy, but I promise you, you are not. None of us are. But God, again, he's so gracious. He gives us his grace anyway. That's how he operates. God usually, usually does the unexpected for the undeserving. God does the unexpected for the undeserving. But I don't think Jonah realized that all of this that was happening to him was the work of God. At least I don't think he realized it at first. I don't. I don't. Because that's exactly how we are. When we find ourselves going through difficult situations, when we find ourselves going through trials and sorrows, we, we rarely see those times as agents of God's grace and mercy. Jonah did not realize this was the work of God at first. See, I don't, I don't know exactly how it happened, but somewhere towards the end of the third day, I believe that Jonah started to think, you know what? I was running from God. I paid the fare. I paid the fare. I got on this ship. And what were the odds? What were the odds of that storm coming? I mean, I watched the Weather Channel. It wasn't even, it wasn't even on, the, on their radar. What were the odds of that coming? That was, that was no coincidence. Then I believe Jonah thought, you know what? What were the odds that those sailors would have actually picked me up and thrown me overboard? What were the odds that they would have believed just them throwing me into the ocean would calm the storm for them? What were the odds of them actually believing me and them doing that? What were the odds? That's no coincidence. That's no coincidence. What were, the, what were the odds of me floating in the ocean and all of a sudden being swallowed by a fish? How, how often are people swallowed by fish? I believe Jonah began to wonder, what were the odds of that happening? That's no coincidence. And I believe after he thought through all of those things that he goes on to say this in verse 1 of chapter 2. The Bible says that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help in the, bed, in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. Now let me stop for just a second. Let me stop for just a second. Because he's, the Bible says right there that he cries out. He cries out from the belly of Sheol. If you have the King James Version of the Bible, the King Jimmy actually says that he cries out from the body of hell, the belly of hell. Hell. You know what Jonah's basically saying there? He's saying, you know what? I cried out to God at the point in my life where I was furthest from him. I cried out to God when I was in this, 
difficult situation, when I was in a miserable place, when I was hurting, when I was desperate, where I was in pain. And for some of the people in this room this morning, I think that you know exactly what it means to be in those types of situations because everything might look like it's fine on the outside, but inside there is turmoil. Man, there is depression. There is discouragement. You are hurting. You are afraid. Maybe your marriage right now is in a dark place. Maybe you're in some other situation and it just seems so dark. It literally feels like hell. Well, look at the end of verse two. Look at the very last part of verse two. The Bible says, Jonah says, I cried out for help in the belly of hell and you, God, you heard my voice. I want you to know today that no matter what you are going through, if you're in a situation that literally seems like hell, I want you to know that you can call on God and he will hear you. Even if the hell that you're experiencing is based off of consequences that you've done to yourself, you can call on the name of the Lord and he will hear you. Like a father cares for his children and like a mother cares for her child, man, God cares for us. He cares for us. The Bible tells tells us in 1 Peter 5, 17, that we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. So if you're going through something, if you're going through something, if you're going through something that seems difficult, I want to tell you, call on the name of the Lord. He will hear you. God heard Jonah. And Jonah goes on to say this in verse 3. The Bible says, you threw me into the depths And into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, but I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised me to life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. And this is where the story kind of gets gross. Because look at verse 10. The Bible says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Vomited Jonah onto dry land. Man, vomit is gross. Who agrees? If you ain't raising your hand this morning, you nasty. Vomit is gross. It really is. Vomit is nasty. In fact, this past week, it's kind of weird that it happened, but this, this past week I had a dog that threw up in two of our rooms at our house, in our living room and in our sunroom. And so we saw it in the living room, but we didn't know it was in the sunroom. And so Amanda's talking to Sadie Kate. She says, Sadie Kate, is there a throw up in the, in the, in the sunroom? So Sadie Kate, she goes over there to the sunroom, and she sees something on the ground, so she walks over there to it. She sticks her hand in it, and then she walks back into the kitchen, and she's like, yep, there's throw up in there. I'm like, ugh, I go nasty. But she really did that, man. Vomit is gross. It's gross. It is. But anyway, I've never seen a whale vomit. I've not. I've never seen a fish vomit. But can you imagine? This fish is big enough for a man to live in for three days and three nights. 
Can you imagine how much vomit this was? And it's all over Jonah. Man, it's all over him. He smells, man. This is a bunch of vomit. It's, he's covered in it. This is nasty. Man, if you don't think God's got a sense of humor, you ain't read the Bible. I mean, this is crazy. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. God had Jonah chewed up and spit out, not to punish him. Wasn't to punish him, but to save him. And not just to save him, but so that he could use him. God still wanted to use Jonah. He wanted to use Jonah to reach people who were far from him. See, see, I'm wrapping up. But let me ask you a question. Right now in your life, do you feel squeezed? Do you feel squeezed? Maybe, maybe you feel wrung out. Maybe you're in a situation that has you stressed, tired, and you've, you've found yourself in a situation and you wonder, why, God? Why? Why am I being swallowed by this well? Why is this happening to me? Why am I being squeezed? Well, Jesus says in John 16, he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Everybody say many. See, Jesus didn't say you'll have some trials and sorrows. He didn't say you have a little trials and sorrows. Jesus himself said you will have many trials and sorrows. Well, sometimes when trials and sorrows come, they squeeze us. And we feel like when we're squeezed that we're just dry. Some of us right now, again, you feel like you're squeezed and you feel like you don't have anything else to give. Sometimes life it's great, man. And then it seems like God allows some sort of situation, some sort of circumstance, some sort of trial, maybe, maybe even the consequence of something that you have done, and you just feel squeezed from top to bottom. Maybe right now, again, you're tired. You're frustrated. You might even be frustrated with God. You might be frustrated with God because he has allowed what has happened in your life to happen. And over and over again, when we feel squeezed, I want you to know that there's still good in that. You say, what, what could possibly be good from that? Well, here's the good thing about you being squeezed, me being squeezed. Here's the good thing about Jonah right here in this story being squeezed. See, I like orange juice. Anybody else, you like orange juice? I love I love orange juice. I, I drink it out of the carton at my house, so if you come over, don't, don't drink my orange juice, okay? But I love it. I love it. Well, do you know how they make orange juice? I don't know the technical process, but the process involves squeezing oranges. Squeezing oranges. That's the, that's the, the process, man. If, if you were to look at that carton that's in my refrigerator, it says, squeeze from Florida's fresh oranges. See, you've got to squeeze an orange before you can actually pour a glass of orange juice. You've got to squeeze an orange before you can pour a glass of orange juice. And see, while we rarely see it, but when we're being squeezed, if we could just understand that it's only after we've been squeezed that we can actually be poured out 
for God, to God. And it's only after we've been poured out to God that we can actually be refreshing to other people. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he says this, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. See, Paul poured himself out to God. And because Paul poured himself out, the lives of millions, perhaps even billions of people has been affected, has been reached for Jesus. See, God wants you and God wants me. He wants us to pour ourselves out to him. And a lot of times before that can happen, we got to be squeezed. See, Jonah may have been in a storm. He may have been swallowed by a well. He may have been chewed up and spit out. But it was only after all of that, only after all that, that God used him to bring revival to the city of Nineveh. I wonder, I wonder today, do you realize, do you realize that whatever it is in your life that you feel like is squeezing you, whatever it is that's, that's pressing you, do you realize that if you'll allow God If you'll allow God, he'll use it to help you reach others. If he's squeezing you, if he's squeezing me, he's doing it to give us an opportunity to pour ourselves out to him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I wonder today, if there's somebody here, and man, life, life is so difficult for you right now. And it's difficult because you've been running from God. You keep wondering why you keep finding yourself in situations that you don't seem to be able to do anything about. Well, I want you to know it's because God is chasing you. He's chasing you because he loves you and he wants to use you to change others. And so if you're here today and you've been running, you don't know God, but today you want to. Today you want to give him your heart and your life. Right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, today, I'm tired of running from you. So, Father, I give you myself. And I'm thankful that you're the God who can calm the storms in my life. As I call out to you today, I pray, Father, that you would hear me. I surrender to you and understand that salvation is from you. I confess you as Lord today. Forgive me again for my sins. Help me, Father, to be the person that you want me to be.
thank you for saving me. Father, I also just want to pray for each person in this room this morning. Because I know oftentimes, even though we might be following you, that there are times where we know what it is that you want us to do, yet we run. Father, help us to surrender to your will, understanding that your will is the best. Father, thank you that you give us your grace. Thankful that you give us your mercy, even when we don't deserve it. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.